Welcome to Constructed Futures. I'm Hugh Seaton. Today I'm here on the second episode of our strategy series with Jay Snyder. Jay is the principal of, and president of BBI. Jay, welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Hugh. Glad to be back here again on our second episode. So, Jay, let's talk a little bit about BBI and then we'll get into the episode. Sure. BBI is a consulting and investment banking firm. We advise contractors on how to use technology more effectively in their businesses through strategic planning and execution. We help emerging technology companies think through go-to-market strategy and execution, and we provide M&A services to growth and mature technology companies, primarily all in the construction space. Excellent. And that brings us to today's episode where we're talking about technology strategy. So last time we really covered what strategy itself is and, and to kind of read back what we said is strategy is a plan to achieve a goal given internal and external constraints, which is honestly, you know, you hear that word thrown around a lot. So it makes sense to kind of drill into what we mean. Today, we want to talk about technology strategy. So you take that big idea of it's a plan to achieve a goal given internal and external constraints. You can take that same idea. It doesn't only have to be about the business. It can be about elements of the business. And you hear technology strategy a lot today because most people are just evolving one or they're just developing one as opposed to the business strategy, which presumably has been around a little while. So Jay, let's start with what technology strategy means to you and and how you like to think about it. When we talk about tech strategy, we're referring to the aspects of a business strategy where technology has a play to be able to accomplish those objectives. So that's the best way to think about tech strategy. Tech strategy sitting out on its own without any relevance to some sort of a business strategy or business plan really doesn't make a whole lot of sense. It really should tie into the bigger picture of what a company is trying to achieve. That also means that the company needs to recognize that technology is a major piece of the operations inside the business and a significant tool or, or skill set that they should be leveraging to accomplish those objectives. So when we talk about tech strategy, it's important for us to work with our clients or for contractors to, if they're doing it on their own, to think about what technology is to them. The very first thing that folks should do before they even start to try to spell out tech strategy is try to define what they mean when they say technology. Here, you'd be surprised about how many companies think technology can be something as far-reaching and broad as an innovative design to a desk that they work at. This is legitimately an example of what one client defined technology as, a motorized desk that can be reconfigured. That, that may not be how I would personally define technology, but it really doesn't matter. It really only matters how the company defines technology so that the resulting strategy and execution plan for whatever they're trying to improve with technology is relevant to how they define technology. And then, of course, there are other folks that will define technology more as software and hardware that have some sort of digital component to them, right? So so when we think tech strategy, it's something supportive of business strategy, and it ultimately needs to start with defining what technology means to the company and is to the company. I really love how you just put that together. You know, you're saying you have a sense or you have a very clear sense of your business strategy that gives you the goals that you want technology strategy to serve. So we often think of strategies as almost cascading, right? Like you got the big one and that defines what you need to achieve with your, your technology strategy. And then the next thing you're doing is saying, let's define the other term that gets thrown around all the time is technology. So again, you're, you're helping people to use terms 
thoughtfully instead of throwing them around, which is the, the more common way of doing it. I think that companies can get into a real difficult situation if they're not leading with business strategy. So let's say that they looked across their different strategic planning initiatives and they said, geez, you know what? Tech strategy seems like low-hanging fruit. Let's knock that one out first. It's a little bit about putting the cart before the horse. Now, there are certainly going to be operational improvements around how they leverage technology that will be obvious. But really, the value of a tech strategy is to really understand how to get the most out of these solutions to really drive these business performance objectives that you're trying to achieve. If you start with tech first, you might actually start building a business strategy around ways to better leverage your tech and that's really kind of backwards way of looking at, at how to get the most out of technology and really a backwards way of looking at how to form a business strategy to, to improve the business or really optimize performance. And also, in, in my own experience, not just in construction, is you have this issue without a strategy to filter things and prioritize them. Senior people will hear about something and say, why aren't we doing that? So they'll say, oh, Procore, why aren't we doing Procore? Or, you know, you know, open space or something like that. And often outside of this, this realm, it'll be something like AI. Why aren't we doing some AI? Right. And without a tech strategy to say, well, that's not, that's not achieving the goals that we've laid out. Maybe that's we'll right. look at it for the next planning cycle, but for now, here's what we're doing. I think it's well put. You can't really articulate back to the staff, your employees, why you may or may not be pursuing a particular in- initiative if you don't really understand where you're trying to get to. That's great. And, and, and obviously, your plan to achieve that goal, given external and internal constraints. How's that for me bringing it back? That's perfect. I think another thing in this sort of in this part of, of thinking about tech strategy that companies need to ponder is where they are on that sort of adoption curve as a company. Are they more on the bleeding edge of leveraging technology in the business? However, they define technology, right? Are they on the bleeding edge? Or are they going to be more of a follower? And, you know, this is where we need to be comfortable and accept the fact that being a follower is not a bad thing. It's really about the atmosphere and personality of the company itself, uh, but also the strategic objectives of the company from a business perspective. If they want to be a market leader in all things, which I'm not saying that's a good objective to have or not, then maybe you need to force the company to be further along the adoption curve and be more of a market leader when it comes to tech. Or maybe you just know what type of company you are in life. You understand that you have a complicated organization, or perhaps you're an organization that's very traditional in how you do your work, and you prefer to be a follower. Maybe there's a a little appetite for taking on the risk of piloting new technologies. Maybe there's not a very good change management process inside your business to deal with things like major tech initiatives. And so by nature of that, you're also a follower. But on this spectrum, it's very important for companies to also understand not only what tech means to them from a definition standpoint, but where they really are on this curve, if you will. And to the point you just made, thinking of it as constraints, right, is that our constraints are that we're not that far along yet and we're just getting our our act together or we're just really defining our own internal processes and appetite for change and appetite for risk. So that's a constraint that should guide how you create your strategy to get to the goal that you want to get to, right? It's on point. It's on point. And then there are internal organizational constraints that may impede a business from being more aggressive with tech than they can be. So Hugh, let me just, you know, sort of share that over the years we've been collecting 
you know, general statistics. I wouldn't necessarily publish on this, but between peer groups I've spoken to and companies that we've consulted with, we have a general sense for the percent of companies that have CTOs or directors of technology in place in their businesses. Only about a third of construction companies have a director of technology or a director of innovation, which are two separate things, but for this conversation, we'll, we'll treat them as one, or a CTO as chief technology officers. And when two-thirds of the industry doesn't have that type of management in place, I'll say management versus leadership, just to be more broad here, it can be very difficult to be more advanced in how you leverage technology or take on a lot of technology initiatives. So that's an internal constraint that would limit how far and how fast you can go with tech strategy. So let's get tactical about our strategy. I just said that. <laughs> how, right. um, what, is it, what does a good technology strategy look like? When we talk to companies about tech strategy, and this isn't rocket science, I think if anyone sat down and pondered it for an, for an hour or so, they'd probably be able to develop the, the same sort of rubric or methodology themselves. And if they were spending that hour drinking bourbon, I bet you'd be really colorful. But we think of, of tech strategy as having a component of, of leadership process in, in organizational considerations. We think that technology strategy includes things like being mindful of training that's needed in order to fully leverage technology. We believe it has to do also with integrating across solutions and what that architecture might look like to achieve the types of data flows that, that your company needs or that matters to you. There's, of course, a component of it that deals with data management more broadly. And then, and then we get down to Q. And then, so this is, let's see, the one, two, three, four, fifth thing I'm saying and then we talk about the actual solutions effectiveness. So the point here being, when you think about good tech strategy, it's more than just the applications you're using. It's more than just the robotics that you put in place. If, you, if, if you're further along in that digital transformation, it's really about, do we have the right people in place to lead these types of initiatives or these aspects of our business? Do we have a program in place for that department? Do we have processes in place, policy in place? expectations and communication channels in place for this entity inside the business that's going to manage technology? Are we establishing uh, our expectations and requirements to the vendor and internally to ourselves for what we expect in terms of training on technology and solutions, so on and so forth? So good tech strategy includes all of those things in a very coordinated way, in a very deliberate way with action items. You know, I recently read a strategy piece you know, by one of the big four consulting firms that was really demystifying what people refer to strategy as. So most people, right. in, in general, most people will say, oh, strategy is, you know, just sort of setting your goalpost. Well, this article submits to the audience that strategy is really more about finding those major issues inside the company and planning around how to resolve those issues, almost like strategic, continuous process improvement, if you will. And this really resonated with me because with tech strategy, this is pretty much what we're doing. We're finding what are the aspects of how the company uses technology or doesn't use tech that's problematic and helping them achieve their business objectives and then focusing on solving those problems. That's interesting. So, you know, your plan to achieve the goal often starts with let's level set and, and clear obstacles in how things are being used now and, you know, or how they're not being used now. 
right? So the practical reality is you spend a lot of time kind of fixing issues or or right-sizing things or recalibrating as opposed to big, broad visions of we're going to go and conquer the world through our use of data and AI, which probably sounds good in a big meeting, but isn't really what people do. Is that, does that sound about right? Is that you're spending a lot of time with with because these are big, complicated project-based businesses that that obviously have a lot of things popping up all over the place. So I've heard this on the data side too that that a lot of what the time gets spent is is almost task teams solving or, or again recalibrating things. Does that sound right? I think it was apropos for you to start this portion of our conversation saying let's get tactical about strategy because it needs to be precise to your point. It can't be broad brush. It can't be generalized. It needs to get very tactical and you need to, you're using a scalpel here, right? So to your point, this effort needs to include things like, first of all, inventorying all of your solutions. You need to know what you're working with, right? And, And you also need to know what you don't have that you might need, but it also requires you to get very let's say, intimate in a one-on-one way with end users to understand what's working well in the way that they're leveraging technology in their day-to-day business, on the front lines, in the field, and what's not working well. You need to be comfortable realizing that a lot of what's going to come out of that has nothing to do with the technology applications themselves, and it has a lot more to do with leadership's ownership of change initiatives around tech, around access to resources to stay proficient with technology, around communicating uh, why a company is, is taking on a particular tech initiatives and what that means to them. So these are the types of things that you need to be ready for and accepting of when you go on this road of, of tech strategy, because it gets very tactical very fast. Yeah, that makes sense. And as you think about, you mentioned a little bit about organization, and I think that's definitely an area that the industry is discovering, is is how much should we be spending here and how should we organize it? So you mentioned, you know, CTOs and other other leadership titles. How much are you talking to people about that? Is, is you know, do we make it an IT function or do we make it a separate function that ladders up to a CIO or, you know, a lot of people still have it ladder up to the CFO, which um, I think is, there's I, you see why they would do that, but it feels like the, C, the CFO's incentives and and view of the world or is or perspective is different from what a tech leader might want to be. You know, again, I see why people might do it that way, but are you spending a lot of time talking to people about, you know, from leadership down, how are we going to organize so that we can execute a tech strategy? All the time. Actually, this past year, we decided to make a, a big investment in participating with CFMA, Construction Financial Management Association. And the reason we did that is because Consistently, I mean, we're talking over 90% of the time. At some point, technology rolls up under the CFO. Even if they have a CTO, most of the time that CTO will report the CFO. So ultimately, at a strategic level, the executive sponsor for technology ends up being the CFO. What I love about CFOs is that they're very pragmatic. They are by nature extremely honest people with, with high levels of integrity. Not that the rest of us aren't, but when I approach them and I talk to them about this thing that they own, you know, called technology, you can sense desperation or you can at least sense frustration, okay? Because these aren't people classically trained in understanding technology. They don't have the time to make sure that they are up to speed on what the tech landscape looks like in terms of the movers and shakers, the players that are surviving, thriving, or the ones that aren't. 
they certainly can't dive into the conversation around data management like they probably want to. These are folks that typically are very sensitive to compliance. And, and so they want to understand the rules. They want to understand, the have a level of expertise to be able to lead it properly. And this is an area that's very uncomfortable for them. So we usually have very fruitful conversations with CFOs, very meaningful conversations with CFOs to you know, help them think differently about managing technology. But here we got to realize something. In most construction companies, technology spend is the second or, at, or third largest consolidated line item of OPEX for them. So second to people in, in maybe either buildings like, like rent or heavy equipment, if they happen to be like a heavy civil contractor, technology is up there in the top three categories of spend for a contractor. So no wonder that a CFO wants to be very close to that action, especially because over the years, most technology allows the end user through SaaS, right, software as a subscription, to jump online, buy themselves a license, start using it on a project, charge it back to the project or expense it to the company. And when you have that happening, you know, a hundred times over for 10 different technologies, you may be spending tens of thousands of dollars on technology and not even know about it unless you actually have someone that's really managing, you know, the finances of, of where money is being spent and how expenses are being handled for technology. I think you bring up a really interesting point about technology as a, a guiding and prioritizing principle that in today's world, it's it's really necessary here. I mean, look, there are other parts of the business where people can pull out the credit card and start incurring expenses in a, in a less organized way. But unlike buying a dinner or, or, you know, I don't know, other expenses, this one is very trackable and is very is, is relatively easy to pull together and get your arms around. You just have to go do it. Whereas again, you know, things like expenses in the business, it, it's a little harder to, to, you know, to find a path to, to getting your arms around it. But I've heard of companies whose sole business is to go into a large enterprise and and inventory how many Dropbox or Box or you know Google or whatever it is SaaS subscriptions are out there. Because to your point. It doesn't show up at 20 bucks a pop, but then suddenly you've got your whole team on it. Now it's $1,000 a month. That's 12 grand a year for one, one team or one group. And that ladders up to, to numbers that matter. So it's interesting that you started off when you talked about this as inventorying. You want to talk a little bit more about that? Sure. Yeah. And by the way, what you just said is reality. With every yeah. single client that we, that we work with, they have these costs siphoning in a small way, incidentally, profit from the company. And then we find out, we look across their tech stack and we find out that they maybe have three or four or five solutions where they just need to have an enterprise account. And then they can have all the savings associated with that, but also then they can start managing those accounts as well. Because if you have an individual on a project with a Dropbox account and they leave the company, guess what? That You're information right. is going with them. And, and also there's, we haven't really talked about cybersecurity, but that that opens you up. If it's not, if it's not centrally managed and you're not you know, enforcing the the cybersecurity protocols that you've established as a company, you know, you, you run the risk of, of people creating little vectors, little ways that, that bad things can happen. And we know that, that cybersecurity and ransomware is a real issue for this industry. It is. And if you think about all those individual logins to all those different technologies that aren't used all the time, perhaps they're project specific, 
very rarely will an end user go back into that account and close it down. Now they may stop the subscription and have a freemium account, but do they actually go in there and delete the account, request that the account be deleted or deactivate the account? Probably not, which means that that account's hanging out there with a password that starts to get very stale and old and easier to hack. And then of course you have instances where folks can get access to information that sh they shouldn't. But that's not really what cyber criminals care about with construction. They don't really care about getting access to a drawing, but they do like to lock up your information. So, you know, many times if these solutions are integrated into other solutions, whether a company knows it or not, it can create a backdoor for ransomware or some other malicious code to be installed within a company's ecosystem. Well, that speaks to the, the big Achilles heel every company has is you can lock things down centrally, but it's human behavior that is usually the real way they get in. In other instances, you know, they'll, people will leave USB drives. It's, I don't think they do this as much as they used to, but it's a good illustration is they would kind of scatter them around. And if someone picks one up and says, oh, look, I can use this. And suddenly they've got ransomware or they've got a, you know, a virus that gives somebody access. That's just an easy to understand way of doing it. But phishing is the same thing, right? If you're sending an email from, hey, it's from the CEO, I need something from you. So I think that the point we're making is SaaS subscriptions that aren't centrally controlled are just another way that hackers are using human behavior to get around pretty well locked down central systems. This is a rabbit hole, but I do want to make one more point, Hugh, if that's okay, because it's a good rabbit hole to go down. This, this problem is never going to go away. In addition to uh, monitoring for cybersecurity and having defense mechanisms up, whether it's an internal uh, policy and program or, or a third party, another mitigation technique that I've become very fond of as I've, as I've really dove into it more and more is the adoption of virtual desktop environments where anyone on the team that wants to operate within an application that's owned by the company, an enterprise application, needs to be on a virtual desktop or in a virtual desktop environment to use those solutions. Over the last 18 months or so, now virtual desktops are not new, but over the last 18 months or so, I've been getting smarter on this, not because we offer the service, but because it's important for us to be in the know on this type of stuff. And this might be one of the most tactical and I'll say practical from an IT perspective, practical ways to help mitigate the types of things we're talking about. Now, I say practical from the IT perspective because the end user, sometimes it can be an annoying experience for them unless you have decent bandwidth at the job site to use a virtual desktop. But just wanted to make sure that you know I got that out there too, since it's been an interesting you know, area of study for me the last year and a half. That's great. And that's you know, that leads us to our, our, our next question and really kind of how we'll maybe close this out is what are some typical examples of goals and actions along the way that you're seeing people do with tech strategy? Well, there are some common outcomes, execution items for sure, but talking about the goals and then we'll get back to the, the those more common execution items. More often than not, one of the largest objectives for a company pursuing tech strategy is to get a handle on spend. Not to reduce it necessarily, but to understand how they're spending their tech dollars. Because there's really not a growing wallet share inside of a construction company's budget for tech. So every dollar they spend needs to be deliberately spent in a meaningful way, driving some sort of result that supports the business strategy, right? So, so understanding tech spend and getting a handle on that is usually always one of the goals. But then more so than that, the fifth item in, in terms of executing tech strategy that I mentioned was around solutions effectiveness. So understanding 
the dollar per effectiveness for a solution. So if we're using this type of solution and it's used broadly across the company, how effective is it? Is everyone getting, th- getting everything out of it that they should? If they aren't, is that a problem related to training or, or implementation, or is it just the wrong solution? So there's goals around being more efficient and effective in the tools that they use related to the money that they're spending. And then along with that is adoption. So are we getting maximum adoption across the solutions that are core? Now you have solutions that are non-core and solutions that are core, particularly around operations and project execution. So are you getting the type of adoption that you want around those solutions? And if not, why? That's where the tactical execution comes in. But then also having a plan so that they can be less reactive and disruptive when it comes to technology. Those tend to be three major goals. Where am I spending money? How can I make the best use of the money that I'm spending on tech? And how can I be more organized and less disruptive in in how we're managing technology in the business? I love that. But let me ask a couple of other things that I've, I've come across in the marketplace. One of them is tech strategy as a way to tighten relationships with with customers that you have on an ongoing basis. So I've heard a couple of contractors mention that technology is often a way to build their relationships. It's often a way that they can interact more with, with customers. Relatedly, but not the same, is also technology can sometimes be a, a tiebreaker or a reason to go with one contractor versus another. Certainly some some pretty well-known contractors have made technology a big part of their identity almost. How do you see that playing in as, as you have your discussions? It comes up. So when we when I first got into this world of, of technology consulting back in, I guess it was more like 2014, right? But when the industry was just a babe in the woods with technology, there was this aspiration in the tech planning process to make sure we captured the expectations and desires of a contractor's customer, that being the owner typically. And so we went down that road early on when we were doing tech strategy and simply found out that unfortunately, the owner's side of the equation is, is just as sort of early on in their understanding of tech, their definition of tech and in, in organizing how they think about tech as the contractor is. And expectations varied widely to, I don't care, to wanting you know certain capabilities that simply weren't even available in the market yet now we're talking 2014 right so early on and while some of those things certainly are are available now some of those capabilities we still find that it's quite difficult to be able to create a tech strategy that satisfies the specific desires of an owner that said there are some things that need to be done simply from a security standpoint and and also you know, basics around accountability where technology can be leveraged for that accountability and collaboration. Things like if you're using accounting solutions or job costing solutions, which most projects are, determining whether or not a contractor is SOC 2 compliant, and we won't get into all that on this call, but we're talking about different compliance mechanisms for how well built a technology is or monitored for things like cyber issues but also how well data is being managed. So many owners now are requiring data sharing agreements or clauses inside of a contract and clauses related to responsible use of data. So those are things that contractors should be thinking about now if they aren't already. And most of those types of clauses or policies can be adopted from their surety. So there's resources out there that can give them a 95% solution on 
on you know what these practices and policies should look like. Of course, the harder part isn't just adopting the paperwork. The harder part is actually complying and executing to those policies or programs. That's an excellent way for us to bring this to a close. So this is part of a series. In a future episode, we're going to talk about executing technology strategy. And we've hinted at some, some parts of that now, but I look forward to exploring that in the future with you, Jay. So, so thank you again for being on the podcast. I love that we're doing this series and, and look forward to doing the next episode with you. Same here, Hugh. Thank you so much. The next one should be a lot of fun. The average tech strategy, here's a little bit of a, of a, of a cliffhanger here. The average tech strategy can have up to 40 action items over a two to three year period. So we can talk about that more on the next episode. And I really appreciate this opportunity, my friend. Looking forward to it. Mm-hmm.